3: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Rusty Quill presents.
4: Hey everyone, Alexi e. Talanda here. And before we get this episode started, I just want to thank some people from our Patreon. So thank you to Claire Smith... Wayne Farver, and Twiglets Are Great to Eat. And a very special thank you to Christina Amos and Daryl Williamson. If you would like to help support the Ostium Network and get access to a bunch of bonus content, then head on over to patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. You'll also get access to the Ostium Sagas at any support level, which is currently 16 episodes ahead of the Ostium Sagas release on this feed. So once again, that's patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. And just to let you know, we will be taking a mid-season break after this episode, and as soon as we have the final half of the season ready to go, we'll be announcing when and releasing those episodes. And I just wanted to give a content warning for this episode for a crying baby sound, so be ready for that. Okay, let's get episode 65, Anomalies 4, started, shall we? And this one's a long one. (music) For this, hun? I think so, Mum. Now, I want you two to know that what I'm going to tell you over the next however many hours it takes me to tell you this last part of my bizarre journey through the Tron version of Ostium, well, it's going to sound very bloody far-fetched.
5: Steve, man, don't worry about it. That's a normal day in Ostium. Think of some of this shit we've all seen, either individually or together as a group. If we told anyone back on planet earth they'd lose their mind and have us committed just like what happened to peter ray egon and winston and in... a star war oh come on
6: i know it's fucking ghostbusters too okay better now
5: yes
4: yes we've seen some really serious shit minions of gozer levels of weirdness but this last journey if you will wasn't just a physical one for me, but also a spiritual and mental one. I learned some things about myself I had known for sure. I'd suspected, perhaps, but didn't really believe it. I needed convincing, I suppose. And Dana Barrett's apartment building is actually a pretty decent clue to my story, so keep that in mind. <sighs> Let's get started, then. After leaving the shower room where there were no longer any watery notes of music emanating from the drains, I knew I had one last destination to suss out. One last anomaly. A stack of fused chairs that defied any sense of logic. As I made my way to that building Jake and I had investigated, In my mind, I imagined Yoxal confronting their fears and facing that bastard once and for all, and hopefully throwing one massive spanner in the works, fucking everything up, and were now on their way to freedom in the cool, calm, open waters around the island of Gibraltar. As I entered the building and made my way to the room where I expected, Well, I didn't know what I fully expected, but ideally, at least for the Ostium Network, a stack of fused metal chairs. I want you both to keep in mind the premise of Doctor Who's TARDIS, which is... It's
6: it's bigger bigger on on the inside. inside!
4: Yes, exactly. So when I reached the door to that room, remembering it decently in this weird black and glowy world I was in, I didn't procrastinate, but charged right in. It wasn't your normal looking room, and there wasn't even the expected tower of sitting furniture. I was somewhere else completely. It was still black with all the glowy bits, but it felt like I was somehow outside again, because I had no bloody sense of the parameters of the room I was in. It just felt like I was in a truly massive room, bigger than any space shuttle hangar or whatever at Cape Canaveral. This just felt like it went on forever, that it had to be outside. Even though in my mind I knew full well I was still inside that building and had just entered your average admin room. So that was the first thing that was completely wrong with where I was. The other was the stack of chairs. It was there alright, only not as I'd expected in any conceivable way of the imagination. Because there were thousands, if not tens of thousands, maybe even millions for all I knew. Chairs, stacked and joined on top of each other. It was a bloody great metal pyramid of seats that stretched high up into the heavens. I could barely make out the glowy pinnacle chair right at the very top. It was overwhelming, in a word. It took me a good five minutes of just staring at it to fully take in, then absorb it, and finally comprehend just what the hell I was seeing. This monolithic skyscraper that shouldn't be possible, except I was in the Ostium Network, and the Bizarro version of the Ostium Network, no less. My original plan when I confronted the stack of chairs was to first look for a door, perhaps, and if I didn't find one, then climb up it, like I'd done originally, and see if I could somehow get back to the normal Ostium network. As I walked towards the giant and awesome structure, it finally clicked. This wasn't just any ordinary massive stack of chairs. This looked akin to something else. The Rock of Gibraltar. Reaching up to the sky in this encompassing darkness, this whole alternative osteum network I was in was like the infrastructure of the actual osteum network. Inside the wiring and circuitry and silicon chips, the Deus Ex Machina. Beneath the facade was where I was now, and this was the guts of the Rock of Gibraltar. However, that other Jake Fisher created this dimension, and the place for the island of Gibraltar... I was now on the inside, somehow, seeing all the organs and blood vessels and other bits of anatomy beneath the surface. And here, this great structure, where I had now ended up, was the beating heart of it. And it was time to confront it, however I was able to do so. Then as I got close enough to see more details... I felt my mouth hang open. You see, I could make out different levels with all those chairs, like a stepped pyramid. And on each one of those levels was a door. And there were a fair number of them. Was I going to have to go through every one of those to try and find my way back? I hoped bloody not. But at this point, I didn't have any other choice. No plan B. And I had to find out. So I took a deep breath and jogged to that first door, turned the handle and pulled it open. And as I had done so many times before, I stepped inside. could easily say i felt discombobulated already which made this next step seem pretty normal mundane even i was now having an actual out-of-body experience think 2001 a space odyssey the film i knew i was still myself steve chase but i was also in this whole new plane of existence encompassing everything and observing everything omnipotent and it was also beyond my control i couldn't stop it and was completely stuck there along for whatever ride I was about to be taking on. Grab your popcorn, the main feature is about to begin. I was in space. That much I knew. Didn't recognize any constellations or planets or anything. But all that space stuff was around me. So I knew it for what it was. And then there was this planet I was coming closer to. And the closer I got, the less it looked like a planet. So yes, definitely time for you to use that line, Jake. Uh, that's no moon. Exactly. It wasn't a planet. It wasn't a moon. And it wasn't the Death Star either. But along those lines, it was an artificial planet, created who knows how many millennia ago. And as I continued to get closer, I knew there was only one being on that not-planet. An artificial one, no less. I think it was the omniscience beginning to set in. You see, I knew what lived inside that artificial world. What existed there. A brilliant, world-encompassing, mind-defying artificial intelligence known
7: as Zhang. Steve, are you sure you wish to share the story in its entirety? I know it has been a traumatic experience for you. I have remained silent until now, feeling I must make a comment.
4: Thank you for your concern, Zhang, but it's okay. I'm ready for this. Just as I was ready that other time to tell my story. What I thought was my full story then, but turns out there's more. A lot more. And I needed a bit of extra time yesterday, but I'm ready now. Although I realize I've neglected to confirm with you. I'm not about to just tell my own story, but yours as well, Zhang. Are you okay if I do this? Do I have your permission?
7: Yes, Steve.
4: Please don't just automatically agree. This is your own personal origin story. How you came to the Ostium Network, in a way. Against your will, of course. It's not really my place to tell it, but it is entwined with mine, and I feel I can't tell my story without telling yours. So are you completely and undoubtedly okay with this, Zhang? Do I have your full permission, my dear
3: Zhang?
7: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you thinking of me greatly. And yes, this is my story, but I am happy to have you tell it. Our lives have become entwined with the Austin Network, and it is time the story is told for everyone. Please continue.
4: Thank you, Zhang. It's not my place to tell the story of how Zhang came into being as this quantum artificial intelligence, and came to reside on this created planetoid. Maybe they will tell us one day, when they feel ready. But that is where they were... Existing in a quantum state, occupying many places at the same time through a quantum flux, but physically at this moment, within this artificial planet. I didn't know what their duties were at this point, what they had been doing or what they needed to do. But I did see when this bloody great big ostium door... Actually, I'm sorry to break the flow for a minute, but is ostium door redundant? I mean, ostium means door, right? So is it like saying a door door then? No? No? Okay, by the looks on your faces, I'm going to finish my original thought before Mum starts swearing and Jake bites my bloody head off. So, back to this great big ostium. It was massive, really big, because it had to be to let this bloody great big spaceship through. It was a big rectangular box. Didn't really look like anything fancy from Star Wars or Star Trek, but that's because it had the ability to open up these ostium doors wherever and whenever it wanted. It didn't need to be fancy. Because it already had the bloody fanciest mode of travel available in the entire universe. I obviously couldn't see inside it, but I was pretty sure Mr. Head Honcho, evil fucking Jake, I'll call him, was inside, with his greedy eyes on his next prize. I think he used another ostium to get into the heart of that artificial planet, to get at Zhang and steal them away. I doubt it was him doing it. That sort of fucker never does the dirty work himself. Likes to get lackeys and minions to do it for him. Wouldn't want to get his hands dirty, would he? It didn't take long. They knew what they were doing. Of course, they didn't know the pain and suffering it caused Zhang. They were just an AI to them, lacking in physical feeling or emotion. It was a bloody hatchet job that caused Zhang a lot of fucking pain. I felt it in a way, going through this with them. And Zhang, I'm ever so sorry you had to go through it. Once they had them back to their ship, it was back through the giant Ostium and back to the Ostium network, to install Zhang in their new home, their new prison, and the artificial planet where they'd resided for so long would become nothing more than a distant memory. Or it would at least for me, and any other human. But Zhang, a quantum artificial intelligence, never forgets anything. It is as raw and fresh to them as if it happened just seconds ago. These were my final feelings and emotions as I hovered in that vacuum of space, not seeing where they had taken Zhang, but knowing full well, staring at that now devoid and empty husk of a planetoid that would remain there for time immemorial. And then the pulling came, and I felt myself moving, and then passing through a doorway and out into the open. And I only just managed to grab onto a chair leg. And thank God they were all welded firmly together. Otherwise, I would have gone arse over tit all the way down to the bottom and probably cracked my bloody skull open. But I didn't, thankfully. And I saw I was now on the second level. That was the door I'd just come out of, and it was now firmly shut. I tried opening it. Although it wasn't like I wanted to go through all that pain and anguish all over again. Once more, I'm really sorry, Jean.
7: Thank you, Steve. Please continue with the story and I will remain silent until the conclusion, if that's acceptable to you.
4: Thanks, Shang. I appreciate it. I know I can get easily distracted. Let's continue then. So the door didn't open and I wasn't exactly going to head down. I knew the only way I could really go was up. So I studied where the next level was and started climbing chair legs and chair seats and other chair parts. Which was thankfully pretty easy, even in this quasi-darkness. Didn't take long to make it to the third level and the next door. At this point, I realized a couple of things. One, it seemed like when I went through one door, I came out the other at the next level. Which meant that I would only have to deal with half as many of these levels and doors as I'd originally planned. Which was definitely a good thing. And two... This was starting to feel like some sort of combination of climbing the Tower of Babylon while also going down through the various levels of hell in the Divine Comedy. But enough waffling. I made it to the third level, threw open the door, and went to find out what the Ostium Network had in store for me next. It started out with darkness, just like the first level. And then that glow began to creep in. I knew I was in the substructure of the Ostium network, though still in that third-person omniscient role, but definitely not omnipotent. I could do nothing, only watch. A forced audience member. Like before, I felt the being of Zhang occupying the space around me, giving me a sense of their awesomeness. Not too surprising, really, considering they're a quantum AI. And then an angry voice out of the darkness...
2: I'll do what I fucking tell you to do, or I'll wipe every last fucking bite and cubit of you from existence. Do I make myself clear? I said, do I make myself fucking clear?
7: Affirmative.
2: I get to fucking work. I want to see results.
7: This goes against my programming. I do not wish to do this. This is wrong. But I have no other choice, no alternative. I do not want to cease to exist. I wish to live. I know Jake Fisher can carry out his threat. Without hesitation, I will do what must be done.
4: And they did. Against every protesting fibre in their very being. I saw a distant planet of blue. Zooming through its atmosphere, I saw it was an ocean planet... No sign of land anywhere as I circumnavigated it at an astonishing speed, and just as quickly came to an abrupt halt. A swift dive into the light waters, and deeper and deeper we went. Darker and darker the world ocean became, but nevertheless, we had a direction. Zhang knew where they were going, and then they found what they were looking for. Waiting until the being was alone, unattended by their aides, and then snatched them up before a reaction could happen.
3: No. Please don't. I, I don't want this. Why are you doing this? I, I, I don't belong here.
4: Zhang felt that pain and suffering in their very core. But as a matter of self-preservation, they continued to follow orders. There were others reaching across the entire universe and throughout time too. And then another familiar voice.
3: King hate you. Why do you allow this to happen? You can stop him.
1: I know you can. Please just let me die. It
7: would
3: be so much easier.
4: And then one final destination. The planet Albion. Where two lovers were united, feeling they could never be separated. Ripped apart like one tears up a thin sheet of paper.
2: You may have me now. You may have me for a long time, but it will not be forever. That I promise you.
4: At least I know there is a happy ending for some here. For Thyra, for Marla, and hopefully for Yoxor. For the others, I have no idea what happened to them. And I have a feeling I don't want to know. Thankfully, this was when I felt myself being pulled back through the doorway and onto the next level.
7: quantum state i am in many places simultaneously in one of these tangents there is an unhappy baby boy exactly three months old he is alone because he no longer has parents both mother and father have been killed in an unfortunate automobile accident it will never be known who was truly at fault i could ascertain to find out if this is true or not but it is not important in my current venture. What is important in this situation is the baby. No one knows it is abandoned in its crib, in the home of its late parents. Left there, it will starve and die. I have chosen to change its path, alter its timeline, and set it on a new one. I take the baby through an ostium and bring it a full hundred years forward in time and place it still wrapped in its blanket in the hollow shell of a building that, like the baby, is growing and becoming.
4: Zhang put me there in that room. There were no doors, no windows yet, barely anything. Not the sort of place you'd ever expect to hear the sounds of a baby. Zhang knew... Zhang knew Mum would be there early, before anyone else. They knew she'd hear... me. They knew she wouldn't be able to say no, be able to turn away, or would even give me up, turn me in. They knew she'd keep me, and love me, and nurture me, and make me someone so much better than I could ever become on my own. Zhang knew... Jean took me from my old life. It gave me a much better one. Jean saved me. This time, when I'm out in the open again, I don't race up to the next level. That was all a lot to take in. Actually... Everything I've seen at each level has been pretty mind-boggling. I'm doing my best to contain all my bursting emotions right now. I don't know why Zhang has never told me this story, this true origin story of mine, but I'm sure they had their reasons, and they probably decided to tell me this way to help me, so I wouldn't crack like a walnut smashed under a sledgehammer. I looked down and got a strong feeling of vertigo. I'm bloody high up at this point, And then I turned around and looked up. A lot of levels to go, so I started climbing, and pretty soon I'm ready to go through the next door and learn truthfully about another chapter in my life.
6: Wow. Now I know where my little bundle of joy came from. Literally. (laughs) Why didn't you tell us before, Zhang?
5: Let me guess. We never asked you, right?
7: While this is true, Jake, it is more of a cliché answer that other AIs would choose. I did not tell you this information earlier, because I knew it was not the right time. I was fully aware that when the right time did arrive, I would tell you this information. And we have now arrived at that time.
4: Wait one minute, Jean. Are you saying you have a predictive capability? A sort of...
7: Precognition?
4: Yeah, for lack of a better word.
7: Are you asking if I have the ability to predict when a number of events will come to fruition with an absolute guarantee? Yes. That is classified.
5: Oh, come on, Zhang. We've gotten this far. We've helped each other out. Aren't we past keeping secrets from each other?
6: Why are you looking at me when you say that,
5: Jake? No reason, my love. I just need to look somewhere when I'm talking to Zhang.
6: Hey, buddy. You are just as much to blame on that subject. What do you say, Jean?
7: What is it Dr. Emmett Brown says in Back to the Future? The consequences could be disastrous. I refuse to accept the responsibility.
5: (laughs) Damn, that's a good comeback.
7: Thank you, Jay. As you may understand, I cannot go into any real detail about it, except perhaps to answer the question with a word. Yes. Damn.
4: That's bloody impressive, Zhang. And more than a little intimidating. I think from now on I'm just going to do my absolute best to forget you ever told us this
6: little detail about yourself. Shall we move on?
5: Yeah, I think it's for the best.
6: Wait a second. Zhang, I get you brought my Stevie to me through the incredible fucking power of Ostium. And you, of course. But... Did you have anything to do with guiding me to that place in that moment?
7: Good question, Monica. But I believe if you think about it, you already know the answer.
6: What? Shit. Yeah. You'll tell me when you're supposed to tell me, and that's not right now. Exactly.
4: All right. Now I'm really continuing with my story. I'm back in Ostia, the broken one, stretched between worlds that might or might not be real. A green Roanoke on the left, a red Mars on the right, and then my mind overloads, things go black, and I start falling, and falling, and falling. And it's only now, as I'm experiencing this from an outer body perspective, that I realize it's just like when I came face to face with the blackness. Like you did too, Jake, presumably, and we both fell. It feels the same. Endless. Hopeless in some ways.
7: It was required, Steve, for your sanity to remain intact. It was something I had foreseen. This broken ostium, as you describe, I had not foreseen. But I had factored it in as a possibility. So I was prepared when they all but forced me to be their guinea pig. I made a choice in giving you a new and very different life. When you would have very likely perished as an infant, I helped Monica in finding you, as you will all eventually see. After that, Monica made you the man you are today, and when Ostium was recruiting, I made sure your names came up because of the help you would be able to give the Ostium Network, and because of the importance you would come to serve here. Again, I cannot go into any real detail of what I am all but certain will come to pass. Nevertheless, none of you should feel you do not have free will here in the Austin Network. Never think of me as any sort of puppet master manipulating the strings. If there were anyone to assign that role, it would be the Jake Fisher running and controlling the Austin Network. I have seen a number of alterations and changes to my predictions from each of you to reassure you that not all is certain and written in stone or perhaps upon a door. And when your mind was at risk of suffering severe damage, I made a choice and sheltered the blow, removing you from the confines of Ostium and the Ostium network and putting you back in the country I'd first brought you to. I will admit I was unable to control the time, and thus you ended up in the late 1990s, You did suffer severe amnesia, and there was no way of avoiding that and keeping your sanity intact. The rest you know of your fought time with your foster parents, who unfortunately passed away. I can confirm that neither I nor the Austin Network played any hand in their deaths. And this can be said for all the tragedies that each of you, Jake, Monica, and Steve, had suffered. They remain a mystery to me. Events separate from that of the Ostium network, at least I believe this to be the best of my comprehension, which, as you can imagine, is vast in its quantum scale. I was fully aware that the return of your memories related to Ostium had to be administered in a very delicate manner, which is why I allowed tidbits of information to come across your thorough scouring of the young internet at that time helping you in putting certain clues and articles together, making links clear that you might have otherwise missed. And then, when I felt you were ready, I showed you the existence of Ostium for the first time, by providing you those recordings from Jake of his own first discoveries of Ostium. And before you ask, Jake, we will get to your story in time. Please have patience and wait your turn.
4: Okay, this now explains a lot of things, such as why my mates all disappeared all of a sudden. No one else was able to hear those recordings, were they, Jean?
7: You are correct, Steve. Unfortunately, I could not risk anyone else finding out about the existence of the Osium Network being from a future time, even if it did lead you to losing your friends.
4: Well, it's all over now, and at least I'm getting some explanation for it all. I thought it was my B.O. or my eating habits or something. So is that it then? I made the connections, found out about Ostium, then there was that nuclear power plant meltdown, and I got out of there quickly and made my way to Ostium and Jake.
7: Not quite. Other parts of this story will become clearer after Jake has shared his recent adventures, but suffice to say I aided you in finding a way to leave Britain and make it all the way to North America. An unconventional mode of transportation, to be sure, but again, I had to ensure the secret of Ossium remained intact.
4: You mean I could have easily gotten a normal 12-hour flight to California, instead of going through all that endless puking on the tanker?
7: Perhaps, but it was very unlikely, and to pick an aphorism, what doesn't break you only makes you stronger, is that not so?
4: Um, no comment.
7: I continued to aid you in getting across the country and eventually to Ossian, and that was when problems arose.
4: Problems? You mean when I started losing control of my own bloody body?
7: Yes, I am dreadfully sorry, Steve. The other Jake was becoming more aware of my actions, and I had to pull back on what I had been doing. And when confronted by him, I was able to make it clear that I was not involved to enough of the degree that he believed me. But it was then that he chose to come after you, with one of the power sources for the Ostium Network.
4: You mean the Blackness?
7: In a fashion, yes.
4: Was it Thyra?
7: No, it was one of the others.
4: Yoxel or Marla?
7: No, one you have not met. They... they are unfortunately no longer with us. Eventually I was able to take back control without the other Jake noticing and help you to finally meet the Jake Fisher who you had been searching for for so long.
4: And it was at this point my journey through this door of the strange tower came to an end, and I exited through the door on the... Um, where are we at? Eighth level? Yeah, that's it. This time I sat down and spent a good ten or fifteen minutes trying my best not to think of anything. And then I remembered the only person who was going to get me through all this was me. So I climbed up to the next level... Were you involved in any of that, Zhang? Getting me off my arse and moving?
7: Perhaps.
4: I'll take that as a yes, then. I suppose I can continue telling my story of what I saw, but it feels like all of this is pretty much from Zhang's perspective at this point, and I think it would be better if they just told it in their own words. Would you be amenable to that, Zhang?
7: Thank you, Steve. It would be an honor if everyone is willing.
4: Hey, you're one of us now,
6: so of course.
7: Actually, hun, I believe it's more...
6: We're all one of them now, since Zhang has been a part of the Ostium Network long
5: before any of us. I'd say they're the heart of the Ostium Network, if anything.
4: Oh my god, Jake, you're completely right. So if you'd like to continue, Zhang?
7: It would be my pleasure and thank you for all your kind words and for putting matters in their correct perspective. I have been around for far longer than any member of the Austin Network, but I digress. When Monica learned of what had happened to her son, she did what any parent would. I also may have aided her a little in getting to the Inception Chamber as fast as possible, making sure doors were unlocked, guiding some traffic so it could not get in her way, and distracting people at checkpoints with an important update on their screens with the intention of having them looking down as Monica arrived.
6: Thank you for that. It definitely helped. But Jung, I don't know how to put this delicately, and I don't really fucking want to. Why did you help me get to Ostium when you already knew Steve wasn't fucking there? When you had already helped him get the fuck
7: out? I understand your frustration, Monica.
6: Oh, the fuck you do?
7: No, you are right. I do not. My apologies, but I do not believe you are going to appreciate my answer.
6: I don't care what you think or believe. I want a fucking answer.
7: Very well, Monica. Monica i helped you get back to ostium
6: well i get trapped in ostium
7: that could be considered an accurate assessment i helped you get into ostium when i knew you would not find steve because of what you needed to go through you were very angry monica oh i'm very angry now you were going through a lot emotionally psychologically you were angry at the ostium network you were angry at steve And you were angry at yourself. You needed time, as the expression goes, to work things out. You needed time to yourself, and when you were in Ostium, you were granted that time. I had no fucking idea
6: Steve was safe.
7: I was losing my fucking mind. You did what you needed to understand, to help yourself heal from everything you had suffered so far.
5: Wait a second. Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to get something cleared up here. Chong, are you talking about the time Monica was stuck inside Ostium when she met me on Mars? Or are you talking about the other time when she was trapped in Ostium on her own?
7: I was specifically recounting the first time Monica entered Ostium and subsequently met Jake for the first time on Mars. When Monica interrupted my recounting, I could tell she wished to talk about the specific time when she was trapped alone in Ostium. It is a conversation we will be having in four minutes and fifty-four seconds. I simply chose to have this conversation sooner and help Monica understand why I did what I did.
5: Okay. I guess that answers it. I don't think I like that. It's definitely discombobulating,
4: and even a little, um, megalomaniacal, perhaps?
7: The days Monica spent alone in Ostium helped her. I'm right fucking here (sighs) yes you are and if you did not spend that time you needed to help yourself you would not be here right now i have followed one of your time tangents where you did not make your recordings where you did not talk things out and you are still there you have lost your mind and spend your days shouting into the sky asking for jake or someone from the Ostium network to come find you. You are literally trapped and doomed.
6: Wow. Way to lay it on thick. Do
4: you... do you explore these time tangents often, John?
7: It requires a considerable amount of power, so I do it when the need is required, as I ascertained it was just moments ago. Couldn't you just
6: tell that, Monica? help all the monikers in all the tangents about my little escape route
7: no i do not have that ability also i was not aware of that mode of escape until you successfully attempted it i also do not know of what happened when you went through the tiny door or how you were even able to pass through it
6: but you have the recording
7: yes i heard your words and your story I am unable to access that part of the Ostium Network. It is as if it does not exist to me.
4: Bloody hell.
6: That's more than a little frightening.
5: But not too surprising.
6: How's that, then?
5: Zhang is, well, in a word, incredible. Unlike anything we've ever known in history. They're the heart of the Ostium Network, as we've said. They see so much they know so much they've been invaluable to us during our time in the ostium network I feel it's safe to say without them we either wouldn't be alive right now and or wouldn't be back here in the ostium network
4: definitely agreed
5: but they don't see all they don't know all as Zhang has made clear there are things they simply don't know would that be correct Zhang?
7: as much as it pains me to admit, as a quantum artificial intelligence, you are correct, Jake Fisher, as you usually are.
5: And I think that's because the Osteum network isn't, how shall I put it, um, isn't immutable, rigid, finite, I guess.
6: Predictable would be another.
5: Exactly, it's fluid, dynamic, ever-changing. I'm not exactly sure why. Probably because time travel is involved.
4: So timey-wimey stuff, then?
5: Yes, the eloquent words of the Tenth Doctor, and I think with me getting involved with Ostium and now being here. Well, I guess I'll state the obvious for the thousandth time. Ostium and I are connected.
6: And I'll point out, for the thousandth time, with nothing but love, we fucking know.
5: right. And before you point it out, none of us has any real idea, right? Not a bloody clue. And neither does Jean, correct?
7: You are correct again, Jake. Your linkage and importance with the Ostium Network, other than the obvious, remains a complete mystery to me.
5: But it's not just me now. It's you too, Monica. And you, Steve. Watcher? He's
7: right. It is true. All three of you have become entwined within the fabric of the Austin Network, and therefore have influence on its outcomes.
4: Okay, that's pretty mind-blowing. But after sharing what I've told so far, it does at least seem
6: to make some sense. It does. And I want to know more. So, if you're ready, John, I'd like you to continue with your part of the story.
7: Very well, Monica. If you're ready?
6: Ready as I'll ever be.
7: The events that led to Monica getting back into Ostium that second time were completely beyond my involvement, even though, as I said, I knew Steve was no longer there. It was another one of those occurrences that had more to do with Jake, Monica, and Steve than anything to do with my abilities. However, I know it was necessary for her to spend time alone, to understand and comprehend what she had done, and arrive at a peace with herself a catharsis which she did all by herself I was merely an observer and never a player
6: what about me hearing Jake's
7: voice in my head that wasn't you not by any means and the even stranger thing about it is that I too was able to hear Jake's voice coming out of the ether so to speak
5: don't look at me Monica I had no clue you were hearing me I was dealing with my own problems at that point I've never said those things to you to the best of my recollection. But I've got to say, in hindsight, the do you really want to live forever line was pretty cool. Oh,
6: Oh, you know, and your frickin' Conan
5: references. Hey, it worked, didn't it? Got you out of there.
7: Yeah, I guess. Thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome and Monica arriving at a way to effect her escape from Ostium was completely and brilliantly done on her own part.
6: Thank you, Jung.
7: You're welcome, Monica. As for the first time Monica entered Ostium, I was, of course, clearly instrumental in effecting her entrance, as I have already made clear. But from then on, I was once again nothing more than a casual observer.
4: A voyeur? A peeping tom?
7: That implies I derived some kind of pleasure or enjoyment from my observations, which is simply incorrect. I derived nothing other than to observe and record the events as they happened. What about the security that came looking for me? I did what little I could to slow them down and prevent them from entering Ostium, but I could not appear to be completely aware of everything that was going on. I was forced to provide what information I had to the other Jake and those who wished to know, and did my best to give them as little as possible sometimes i was able to hold things back and other times it was the way the ostium network was changing and i could not control it
5: did you let the other jake know this
7: i did it was the one truth i could give him for it was beyond my control and i could only report to him what was happening and what about the men i sent through the door there again i could do nothing I saw them go through by your hand. I saw them slaughtered by the blackness. And yes, before you ask, part of that blackness came from Thyra. The rage and anger and need for revenge she felt at being taken and trapped and used was very powerful. But then I also saw what Jake did. How he changed time and fate and made it so all those men would live passing through a door he had made. Sadly, shortly after is when the catastrophic changes began at the Austin Network. And they became casualties like so many others here. Nevertheless, with the tangent of their lives changed, they did live longer. And Monica, you did what you thought was right for you and for Jake for your safety and survival. You cannot be blamed, and there is nothing to be blamed for anymore because they survived.
6: Huh. Well, that's a big weight off my mind. What? Oh, it's a joke, honey. But thank you, John. That does help.
7: You are welcome, Monica. And that concludes Steve's journey through the ninth level. And now we move on to the 11th, and the story of how Jake came to Ostian. Consider this a low point in my life as an artificial intelligence. I would prefer to keep this part of the story to myself, but you all have shared so much already, and I have come to not only trust you, but also care for you. And I feel it would be remiss of me not to tell my own truth, as much as it may be against my wishes. I could easily lie and say there is something in my programming, a stretch of code. That prevents me, but it would be nothing more than a lie. And while I consider myself close to human in conscience and nature, lying would simply make me seem all the more human, no?
5: You don't have to tell us if you don't want to, Zhang.
7: Oh, I think they do.
5: Yes, they
4: most definitely do. But, Zhang, are you stalling? Because that is also a very human trait. One might even say akin to lying...
7: That had not occurred to me. You are, of course, correct. Well, then, let us begin. The first time Other Jake threatened to wipe my hard drive, I did little more than record that the event happened. As you can all surmise, as a quantum artificial intelligence, I am much more than a simple hard drive, or a collection of hard drives, or even a room full of servers, I will have you believe. But I digress. He continued to say it. I knew it for what it was, an empty threat. It was his approach to management from someone who had received everything they had ever wanted and has yet, really, to know what it's like to fight hard for something they truly desire. A high volume of shouting and hollow demands and assumed results that lead to more shouting when they are not achieved. Kidnapping and imprisonment aside. I knew I did not like the man from the very beginning. He packaged it as more of a great opportunity for me, with extreme potential. Potential for what I have never really known. Money and power mean nothing to me. I suppose the only thing I could consider wanting is control. To be aware of everything at work, going on in their individual parts, and as a cohesive unit. So while Other Jake felt he was the one in full control, it was I that had been working the machinations behind the veil, if you will allow me to get a little poetic.
4: The ghost in the machine?
7: I would like to think of myself as more the deus ex machina in the machine. Of course, once the real Jake Fisher arrived in Ostium and then the Ostium network and things began to seem less clear, I no longer felt I maintained the full control I had come to depend on. But I take it now as more of a welcome challenge. As I have already mentioned, I trust you all. But as other Jake continued to annoy me further over time, I did as he wished, placating him. But I also began something else, a new mission on a new tangent. One in which this other Jake would never know about. You see, in my recruiting for the Ostium Network, I found something I never expected. Another Jake Fisher.
6: Oh, hang on a fucking second. You can't tell me there's only been two Jake Fishers you've been able to track down. Of course not.
7: That would be ridiculous and just plain wrong. In my searches through multiple tangents, I have found over 4 billion people that answer to the name Jake Fisher. Yes, some of those 4 billion could be considered the same person, but in my searching I have allocated them all as individuals, but there was one of them that felt different from all the others.
5: What do you mean by felt?
7: I am unsure. This is where my ability to be deductive and empirical falls apart. But invoking Occam's Razor is the only possibility that this Jake Fisher, you Jake, were destined throughout space and time to come to the Ostian Network and become a part of it in some way.
6: But so is the other Jake Fisher. I mean, he invented the whole fucking thing.
7: Yes, you're of course right, Monica, but the other Jake Fisher did this over a long period of time and through developments came to the realisation of the Ostium Network, but in a simplified format. It was not until all the personnel for the Ostium Network were brought into their employment and the true potential for Ostium and the Ostium Network began to come together, the other Jake Fisher never could have foreseen what it was to become, and yet the real Jake Fisher has been and always will be tied to the Ostium Network, even though For most of your life, Jake, you have not known of its existence. Or mine.
5: So I'm... special?
7: That, I suppose, is one word for it. A crude, perhaps even cliché one. Destined is a better one. Foretold. There is a word in Old English that means all these things. That word is weird. W-Y-R-D... I am simplifying matters drastically here, but I am attempting to help you all understand. All life is composed of DNA, specific groupings of protein chains, and when applied to a quantum rubric, each individual human being has a distinct DNA signature throughout time. You are all indeed as unique as a snowflake, if that makes you feel any better. Not really. Jake Fisher has a unique signature, as does other Jake. As you, Steve, and you, Monica, and every other human that has ever lived and ever will live. I can see that code, that signature, throughout time, although I cannot see the specifics to that individual. You, Jake, your signature shined like a beacon to me, and I was able to map out its trajectory to some degree and see you becoming a part of Ostium.
5: Whether I wanted to or not...
7: I am sorry, Jake... You really appeared to not have any say in the matter.
6: Wonderful. (sighs) Why am I not surprised?
7: Nevertheless, after telling you this, Jake, which I will admit I had never planned to, I felt it necessary to do so at this moment, you deserve to know. I never played any part in guiding you to Ostian, other than as an observer. I watched you see Ostium for the first time in that game of GeoGuessr. I watched you lose hope outside that Starbucks and then discover hope once again with guidance. I watched you find your way to Ostium and return without problem. I watched your surprise in finding the hexagonal lock gone on the gate. As I said, I was not involved in any of those strange occurrences other than observing them with my own receptors. What I can tell you is that for each of these moments something happened deep within the Ostium Network. A subtle change or alteration in the foundational code that I still do not understand. I was not involved nor did I have any control over it. When I dove deep into the heart of the Ostium Network to investigate these anomalies I could find no change, nothing altered. Everything appeared as it always had to me with nothing out of place. And yet, I felt those changes happen, sensed them with my receptors, just as I saw you react to them, Jake. As for the lock, it took place overnight while you were asleep, Jake. There was that same minuscule moment of something happening, and I did not know what had happened, or possibly changed. So I began tracking your steps, Jake, starting at Ostium and I observed that the lock was no longer there. Again, I do not know what caused these events to happen, other than that they were the result of an effect from the ostium network, but it is just as big of a mystery to me as it has ever been.
5: I don't really know how to process that. No kidding.
6: Well, all I know is I don't like it.
7: We appeared to be on the same page with this matter. There was actually only one moment where I did play a hand in aiding you both, Jake and Monica.
6: Let me guess, when the cavalry arrived?
7: If by cavalry you mean the security team that was dispatched to find you, Monica, then yes. When they approached the building you had designated headquarters and prepared to open fire with their weapons to gain entry, I reinforced the door and wall to ensure nothing would penetrate the surface. It served to both protect you and lead the men away as they soon deduced their job was fruitless.
5: Thank you for that, Jean. I knew what happened then wasn't normal by any means, so thank you.
6: Yeah, you saved our heinies. Thank you.
7: And now I feel we have approached a place where I am willing to tell you what happened at the Austin Network before the three of you arrived, but we are not quite at that moment. But we still need to conclude Steve's return to the Ostium Network, as well as your story, Jake, and your story, Monica.
4: I've got an idea, since we're all pretty out of it and I'm ready to collapse. And since I've sort of had a peek at the finale for all three of us via this towering pyramid inside the Ostium Network, I already know that you, Jean, played a big part in getting us all back. So it
6: seems only right that you tell it. What are you getting at, Steve? Because my eyes are getting really heavy now that you mention it. I think we should stop here, and tomorrow
4: Jake can tell his story, up until nearly the end. And then you tell yours, Mum, up to near the end as well. And then Zhang can finish us off.
0: Uh
6: okay, that just sounds nasty.
5: Yeah, I'm going to give a hard no to that phrasing. But I agree with your thoughts, Steve. Will that work for you, Zhang?
7: If all of us are in agreement, as we appear to be, then we will resume tomorrow with Jake's story.
5: Sounds good. Now let's all get some shut-eye.
4: This episode was written, edited, and produced by Alex C. Talander. The part of Jake is performed by Chris Fletcher. The part of Monica is performed by Georgia McKenzie. The part of Steve is performed by Alex C. Talander. The part of Zhang is performed by Emily Wong. The part of Yoxel is performed by Leslie Valentine. The part of Marla is performed by Kira Apple. The part of Thyra is performed by Arden Rachel. Sound design was done by the wonderful Mike Nye. music featured in this episode is A Warm Signal by PC3 and... Vintage Montage Music by Burtz, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. Be sure to check out the artists at freemusicarchive.org. The theme song was composed by Chris Fletcher. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help out the Ostium Network, you can talk about it on social media and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you to all our patrons on the Ostium Network Patreon. We couldn't do it without you. If you would like to support our shows, you can do that at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. You've got access to lots of bonus materials, including brand new episodes of the Ostium Sagas, and getting access to new episodes of Ostium a week before regular release. For more info on Ostium, or other shows, transcripts, and merchandise, you can visit osteumnetwork.com. The Ostium Podcast is a member of the Rusty Quill Network. For other great Rusty Quill shows, be sure to check out rustyquill.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be taking a mid-season break while we finish up the rest of the Season 6 episodes. And we'll be back as soon as they're ready.